0: Hey, thanks for tuning into our podcast today. My name is Derek Puckett. I'm the lead pastor at Renewal Church of Chicago. If you want to know more information about us, you can head to our website at RenewalChicago.com. I pray today that this message is a blessing and an encouragement to your soul. Good morning, Renewal fans. Good morning. If you would, please go ahead and meet me in Matthew chapter 6, verse sixty. Matthew chapter 6 verses 16 through 18. Uh, If you are unfamiliar with the scriptures, go ahead and google Matthew chapter 6 verses 16 through 18, Um, and I think that the words will come up on the screen as well. Uh, And as you're turning there, if you would, please just stand as we get ready to read the scriptures with one another. My name is Pastor Steve, and uh, I have the privilege of serving as teaching pastor, help oversee Uh, Some of our small group ministry and spiritual formation here at the church Um, and this morning we're starting a new series a four-week series that we've entitled committed and as we begin the year 2022 we want to make sure that as a church as a community of faith we're committed to the right things. Um, And so this morning, we're going to be looking, as we begin this fast for 21 days, we're going to be looking at fasting and prayer, uh, and prayer being a means through which uh, we're committed to the right things. Uh, So allow me to read into your hearing Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through verse 18. It reads this way. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. The very words of Scripture. Amen. You may be seated. We all know the name Michael Jackson. Probably the greatest entertainer in all of world history. Uh, He grew up just a stone's throw away where Pastor Derek grew up, actually, there in Gary, Indiana. Uh, And a a common scene in the Jackson home with the, the Jackson Five as their entertainment group uh, would be Joseph Jackson, the dad, coming home uh, to his boys, uh, getting ready for their dance routine. And uh, their dad, Joseph, would come home and he would come to the living room. He would push all of the furniture in the living room to the uh, edges of the room and he would uh, call his boys into the living room and, uh, and uh, make them dance. And as uh, they were dancing, just uh, to ensure that they didn't miss a single step that, uh, that they didn't miss uh, the, the part of their routine, he would take off his belt and he would stand there, belt in hand, ensuring that the Jackson 5 did all the right steps to their dance routine. Uh, now, what did this produce? Uh, on, on the one end, it, it produced the greatest entertainer world history ever knew. Uh, Michael Jackson learned how to do all the right steps. He did it incredibly well, so much so uh, that he became the greatest entertainer uh, in the world. And yet, on the other end, what it also produced was a performer, a performer whose heart wasn't connected to his dad. And so, in essence, as Michael Jackson goes on living his life, the greatest entertainer in, in the world, whenever you would hear him talk about his dad, uh, you would never hear him call his dad, dad. All you would ever hear him call him was Joseph. Joseph. In 2003, uh, Martin Bashir picks up on this in, in an interview with Michael Jackson, and, uh, and, and he says to him after he's telling story after story of his childhood uh, and continually referencing his father as Joseph, Martin Bashir stops him mid interview and says, uh, Michael, I've noticed something that you're doing. You, you, you never refer to your dad as dad, you only ever refer to him as Joseph. And here, Michael Jackson's telling response. I do that because I always longed for dad. But all I ever got was Joseph. I I always longed for a connection, a heart-level connection to my father. But all I ever got was Joseph. And and on the one end, it it produced uh, somebody who could perform, somebody who could do all the right steps, somebody uh, who could check the boxes, somebody who could be great at doing what his father expected of him. And yet his heart was completely disconnected from his father. Now. One of the things that I think that Michael Jackson and Joseph Jackson's relationship teaches us uh, is a, a microcosm, a picture oftentimes of how people approach God. We, uh, we look at God and, uh, and we see him as the one who calls us to do all the right steps, who, who calls us who calls us to perform, and we look at at the disciplines of Christianity, we look uh, at prayer and Bible reading and uh, and sharing our faith and and all of the do's and don'ts of Christianity, and and, and we say to ourselves, now I just got to do all the right steps. And then if we do all the right steps, then that means that the Father is pleased with me. And yet what we see in Scripture is, is that that is not the way the father wants to relate to his children. No, he, uh, he wants to be connected to their heart. Uh, he, wants, uh, he wants intimacy. Uh, he wants intimacy with his children, but so often we find ourselves, let me do the right steps so that then God will be pleased with me. And so this morning, as we, uh, as we launch this new series, Committed, and as we look forward uh, to the things that God is calling us to as it pertains as a church and individually, I want to uh, set our hearts and, and reorient our hearts to the picture of who God is as He's revealed Himself in Scripture, how we're, re- we're to relate to Him and reorient ourselves to those spiritual disciplines that we often look at as a means of performance. Uh, I, I, I want to preach from the subject this morning, fasting, foregoing the good for the ultimate. Forgoing the good for the ultimate. The first three things as we look at fasting and as we look at prayer together this morning, I want to look at what proper fasting is. I want to look at why we don't fast, and I want to look at the goal of fasting. What it's not, why we don't do it, and the goal. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we start off our year in 2022, Attempting to be committed to the things that are true, that are good, that are right. God, I pray that we wouldn't be people who learn to perform, but that we would be people who are so connected to your heart that our chief desire is to glorify you in obedience and to feel your affection for us in and through that experience. Father, I pray that as we get ready to open up your word, that you would open up our eyes to see magnificent things that are in it. Holy Spirit, it is to that end that I am available to you. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. Amen. As we get ready to come to our passage this morning, Matthew chapter 5 and 6 are what… Uh, scholars call the Sermon on the Mount. And so, essentially, uh, after Jesus has given the beatitudes, blessed are the poor in spirit and blessed are uh, the pure in heart, all of those beatitudes, uh, he turns to talk about an applied spiritual living, Uh, the way to live out the spiritual life. And he talks uh, about uh, giving to the needy. He talks about prayer. And he talks about fasting. And so uh, he says, will you look at it with me in verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. So what exactly is this idea of fasting? Some of you may come in and you are familiar with intermittent fasting because you're, in, into, uh, you're, you're into exercise and stuff like that, and yet what is the, uh, the, the Christian, the spiritual connection to fasting? Let me uh, give you what the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible defines it as, and the words will come up on the screen. It defines fasting as setting aside activities "...as well as reducing the intake of food and replacing these activities with the exercise of prayer and preoccupation with spiritual concerns." setting aside activities as well as reducing the intake of food and replacing these activities with the exercise of prayer and preoccupation with spiritual concerns. If I could distill fasting, the idea of fasting, down to its simplest terms so that all of us could put our arms around a definition, I like this definition. It is is intentionally foregoing the good to draw us back to the ultimate the ultimate, which is God, intentionally forgoing the good. So if you can just put that in your pocket, if you can, uh, you can take that text message home with you, uh, it is intentionally forgoing the good to draw us back to the ultimate. So, one of the first things this text presents to us is an in, in assumption, actually. It, it assumes that followers of Jesus fast. Like, like basically, Jesus is saying fasting is, is not an option for followers of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, there ought to be a time and times when you fast. Jesus says, in verse 16, when you fast. And so, in Jesus' day, uh, instead of a sincere act of self-renunciation and submission to God, fasting has had become some kind of externalized activity that was an empty ritual in which a a pretense of a form of showing off Uh, A sense of piety was presented as a public image. It it was uh, this idea of showing how spiritual you were, Uh, and the interesting thing that Jesus does here is that he uses uh, language, that that word hypocrite in our passage, he uses language of the theater in Matthew chapter 6, and he does this over and over again. Uh, When Jesus says, uh, in order to be seen, it carries with it a different connotation than what you might think. The New Testament uh, is originally written in a language called Greek, and hang in there with me, we got to go to the classroom, and I promise we'll have recess uh, in a little while, but Jesus uses this Greek word, theaomai, theaomai, Uh, it's where we get the English word theater from. Uh, and when Jesus uses the word hypocrite in our passage, he's picking up on the theatrical language. Verse sixteen: "And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites do." That that word hypocrite is really the word that means actor. Uh, uh, it is uh, it is somebody uh, who uh, who plays a role in a play in a theater. And they, and they were able to do so because when, when, uh, when they would, uh, in, in, in the ancient days, uh, multiple people could play multiple roles in the same play because all they would do would, ch- would change the mask that they have on. And, and so essentially what, what Jesus is saying is, is don't play a role in a play for other people to gain their applause because that's essentially what an actor would do. You would perform in such a way, just like Michael Jackson, in such a way that the people who were listening to you uh, would give you an applause. And that was the entirety of the purpose of your activity as an actor. Jesus says, "Don't, uh, don't do it like that. That's why he says in the latter half of verse 16, they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Their religious activity has has been for the applause of other people. And Jesus says, if that is your motive in your spiritual living, then it's not really spiritual. And and in essence, he says, you get no no applause from God. You you get no claps from God if, if the acts of your spiritual disciplines or the acts of uh, your religious piety or the way that you do Christianity is uh, as a means for other people to say, hey, man, you're a good person, or, or a means for you to compare and contrast yourself to other people, God says, I don't applaud that. That, that actually isn't spiritual at all. And so he says if these things are, are done for the sake of a response and having received uh, a, a righteousness that is not your own, there's no need uh, to show it off because it's something we did not earn. If that, is, if that is what the Christian journey is, is a response to a right standing or a righteousness or a belonging and, a, and an approval that we receive by grace through faith in Jesus, then what fasting ought to do what the spiritual disciplines that we give ourselves over to by giving to those who are in need by prayer and, uh, and by fasting, they actually ought to be a means to cultivate intimacy. If you have received a righteousness by grace through faith, then you don't need to show it off for anybody. There needs to be some fruit to your life, but the inward part of your heart has to be motivated as a means to cultivate intimacy with the Father. So Jesus says in verse 17, when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others. So don't go telling everybody that you're doing the Daniel fast. Just how's it going? You know what? I am spending some time in prayer with God. I I am, uh, you know, all all things are are as usual and, and, and you're continuing your spiritual journey because it's not for other people, it's for God. But in turn, this fasting in verse 18, your fasting may be seen by your father who sees in secret uh, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Uh, And so here's the picture. Uh, Fasting is foregoing the good for the sake of the ultimate reminding ourselves that, God, you are the ultimate treasure of my life, not the things that you give me, not the things that I have, not my vocation, not the stuff that other people tell me about uh, that I'm good at, none of those things, but, God, you're the ultimate in my life. Uh, But why don't we fast? Why, 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 uh, Why is fasting such a difficult thing and I got to be the first one to confess to you, obviously, uh, uh, and I don't know how obvious it is, uh, Tim, uh, but I don't do fasting very often. Uh, uh, fasting is not something, uh, something that I, I do very often. And uh, I, I love food. I'm, I'm doing this thing with Noom right now. Have y'all heard of, heard of Noom? It's like the psychology around food and your approach to food. Uh, and, and so I'm trying to reorient my approach to food uh, in general, because I look forward, like I'm looking forward with tiptoe anticipation and bated breath for lunch after church. Y'all just got to understand. Every Sunday, it's a treat to myself that I look, I said, Lord, I've been working hard. I need some fried chicken today, right? Uh, and, and so it, it's, it's a, a spiritual discipline that I'm actually not not very good at, Um, And and, and yet at the same time, Jesus calls us to it. And one of the reasons why I think that uh, we don't fast its not like a part of the regular routine of our lives is that we're just so used to being full. We're, We're so used to getting what we want, when we want it, how we want it right now. I can go on Amazon and have something at my house later today, right? We're so used to being full. That, that the idea of foregoing something good for something greater is just a foreign concept. Now, on the other end, I think that there's something about the regular rhythm of the American life that is so, uh, so values performance. So, so the idea of not uh, not being at your top capacity, the idea uh, of, of of being tired because you don't have the uh, nutrition that that you need, or uh, or the idea of not being at, in tip top shape in order to accomplish all the things that your boss wants you to accomplish, and uh, and to do all the things that you need to do throughout the day and go go go, and the hurry that is the uh, American life, uh, I I think. The idea of lacking in some form of performance because there's a lacking of food is something we're like, nah, I don't, I don't have any interest in that. I gotta be at my top game at all times. So, so we're so used to being full, and, and, and we're, we're, we're not, uh, we, we don't want to uh, affect any area of our abilities to perform. But then the last reason I I think that we don't fast is that that we have the wrong motives. We have the the wrong motives. So oftentimes when it comes to our relationship with God, and you've heard me talk about this often, is that because grace is such a foreign concept to the lived experience we oftentimes find ourselves trying to do spiritual things so that we can gain approval from God. And the motive is actually for our benefit and not for intimacy with God. So let me explain a little bit further. Meaning that you will fast so that you can get something from God. and, and I'm not saying that you can't fast as a means to say, God, I'm focused on this. I, I want you to answer my prayer. But, but we'll say, God, I, I need you to do this one thing for me. Uh, and, 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 and if I do this one thing for, for, for God, then he's going to do this thing for me. And we approach God in a transactional way. God, I'm fasting so that you will bless me. I'm I'm fasting, I'm I'm doing something very spiritual so that you will give me something in response as opposed to the motive of God, I'm fasting so that I can experience you. I'm fasting so I can forego something that's good so that I can experience the ultimate, that that ultimate is you. And and really when we approach God as a means to, uh, as a transactional, in a transactional way, we're saying this other thing, that's the ultimate thing. This thing that I'm fasting for, <laughs> that's the thing that I see as ultimate. Not you, God. You're, you're, just, the, uh, you're just the butler in the sky who uh, I do stuff for so that I can appease and, and, and I can receive something back from you. Uh, or, or you're the, the cosmic vending machine in the universe who I, I put my fast and my prayer in and, and I get my uh, Fritos out, Right? I get my blessings out when I, when, when, I, when I put some stuff in. I get something from you, God. That, that's, what, that's what I want. And, and, and essentially, in Matthew chapter 5, uh, the, the, the author of, uh, of the Gospel of Matthew is, is saying, uh, when he goes through the Beatitudes, he says, blessed are the pure in heart. And, and his point is, the, the pure in heart is, is, is the one who does not have a mixed motive. There is… There's no cinch in, 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 in which I'm trying, uh, I'm, I'm doing this, wink, wink, so that you'll do this for me. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. God, part of me feels this way, but another part of me feels this way. No, the whole entirety of who I am, my motivation, God, is to experience you. And so I, I think that we don't fast because we're so used to being full. I think that we don't fast because uh, we want to perform always at our highest level. And I think, uh, I think that we don't fast because we have mixed motives. And, and, and oftentimes, we find ourselves in situations uh, where we, uh, we feel disappointed from God. And the reason why we feel disappointed from God is that we had the wrong approach in the first place. So God, you didn't give me this. And I really expected you to do that. And now I'm disappointed in you for for not doing what I fasted for, for not giving me what I was asking you for. Look with me uh, at verse 18. And and essentially what what that is, is is a form of fasting for yourself. You're not fasting for God. You're fasting for you. And so... Verse 18 says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. So, this pure motivation, this pure approach uh, to to God God, I, I am fasting for you, and the father who sees in secret. Will reward you. I, I don't. I, I don't do this because I want other people to know that I'm more spiritual. I don't do this as as a means to get something from you. I'm doing this to cultivate intimacy with you. Uh, and, and I'm not doing this, God, so that I can get back into your good graces, right? Sometimes we we look at fasting and we say like, uh, you know what? Fasting is like the varsity level of like spiritual discipline. So like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that and. Uh, and and, and uh, when you mess up and you fail in your Christian journey, you, you guys have heard me say this uh, before, but we look at things like fasting and prayer or midday something or doing something extra that we weren't doing before as a means of getting back into God's good graces. And that, in essence, is not the gospel of grace. Grace. That's the gospel of performance, which is not Christianity at all. And so, so God is, is, is calling us to reorient our hearts in, uh, in the approach that we have to God. And, and, and sometimes, man, we just, we, we, we fasted and we didn't get what we wanted. And, and so the idea of fasting, the idea of fasting and praying for certain things and pray and, and you can be just just all in i'm praying for this that god i'm expecting you for this i'm wanting you, you said that you're a good father who gives good gifts to his children god you said we have not because we ask not and so god here i am asking you told me to do that and yet on the other end of me doing that you didn't show up for me we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and God you didn't do it and 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 here's the thing sometimes God says yes to our prayers sometimes God says no to our prayers and sometimes God says wait sometimes he says yes sometimes he says no And sometimes he says, wait, but here's the good news. I I love what Pastor Tim Keller says uh, about prayer in general. Uh, And the words will come up on the screen. He says that we can be sure our prayers are answered precisely the way we would want them to be answered if we knew everything God knows. I'm going to come back to that. Uh, We can be sure our prayers are answered precisely in the way we would want them to, if we knew everything that God knows. And so, sometimes when we fast, sometimes when we pray, the act of fasting and prayer is actually a gift of grace to you. It is is a means sometimes not not to answer or resolve your issue. Sometimes prayer and fasting doesn't change your circumstance, sometimes prayer and fasting changes you. Let me see, let me see if I can illustrate it to you. Uh, Muhammad Ali grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, and his name, uh, before changing it, was Cassius Clay. And so, uh, young 12-year-old Cassius Clay, somebody steals his bicycle uh, and so he's running around the neighborhood, uh, and and he's he's asking people, "Who stole my bicycle? Who stole my bicycle? Who stole who stole my bicycle?" Uh, and, and and he says to each person, he he says, "When I find the person who stole my bicycle, I am gonna wear them out. I am gonna beat the brakes off of those people." Whoever stole my bicycle. And so he goes to person after person, to person after person, asking and asking and asking for information about his bicycle. He wants his bicycle back. Uh, and, And finally, he runs into a guy by the name of Joe Martin, uh, and he says to Joe Martin, he says, have you seen the person who stole my bicycle? This is what the bicycle looked like, and, uh, and, 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 and this is the kind of bicycle that it, that it was, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm asking you for information about my bicycle. And Joe Martin uh, turns to Cassius Clay after Cassius Clay says, when I find this person, I'm going to beat the brakes off of them. Joe Martin says, son, I don't know where your bicycle is. I don't know who stole your bicycle. I'm not going to get your bicycle back for you. But what I can do, because Joe Martin was a boxing trainer, what I can do is teach you how to box. Watch this. Cassius Clay never got his bicycle back. But in the process for asking, in the process in asking, the trajectory of his life was changed. In the process of going over and over and over and over and over again, asking for his bicycle, asking for this specific thing, he never got what he was asking for, but in the process of asking, his life was changed. There's some stuff y'all been praying about for years and years and years and years. And you continue to hear no and wait and no and wait and no and wait. And you feel as though the windows of heaven have shut down on you. Uh, And yet in the process, if people around you were to tell you how they've watched your life over the course of time, as you've been asking, they would say something has changed. Sometimes these things that God calls us to be committed to in in prayer and fasting and these spiritual disciplines, sometimes in the process of asking, in the process of practicing, in the process of participating, God does something even greater than what you are asking for in your heart. That's why we don't fast. Because we feel disappointed, because God didn't come through, and yet if we were to span out and look at our lives, we would realize that God is very much active, that God is very much involved in every detail of everything that's happening in our lives. So let's look at the goal of fasting and prayer. Matthew chapter 7, verse 11, if you flipped a little uh, forward, it says, So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask them? Look back at verse 18, chapter 6. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And, And some of this language that you see over and over and over and over again uh, throughout the New Testament and uh, something that is unique to the language of Jesus as, uh, as he presents God as this Father and uh, as the Apostle Paul after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus articulates in Romans chapter 8. There is this, this language uh, of, of adoption. There is this language of, of father and child. There is this language of affection and intimacy. Romans chapter 8 verses 16 and 17 put it this way. It says, The Spirit himself testifies uh, with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, that's important, in order that we may also share in his glory. Here's the language. Over and over and over and over again, God is calling us into a further level of intimacy, into a further further level of communication, into a further level of apprenticeship, into a further level of affection, into a fuller level of knowing him. So that now, in Christ Jesus, you and I receive the accomplishment that Jesus accomplished through his death, burial, and resurrection. And he calls us co-heirs with Christ. You hear me talk about that every time I get up here. That, That now what God the Father says over his son, because we're in Christ and Christ is in us, he says over you and me. You are my beloved child upon whom my favor rests. You are my beloved child upon whom my favor rests. You are my beloved child upon whom uh, whom my favor rests. And, uh, and if, if, uh, if I could just kind of come to your neighborhood and, uh, and apply this to our lives, this, uh, this language of intimacy, this language of affection, this language of, of experiencing closeness with God, when we fast and when we pray, the blessing isn't, God's answer, the blessing is God. And, and here's the trajectory that, that, that a lot of us are on, because I think one of the reasons why we don't, uh, we don't fast and, and one of the reasons why we don't pray uh, at, at times, if I could add on uh, in, in an appendix to this, uh, is that I, I think that uh, we, we often see God the Father as uh, maybe not this uh, hardline Joseph Jackson, but surely uh, he's not that compassionate. Surely he's, he's not like that uh, that. Uh, affectionate father that the scriptures call him. And and one of the things that I think all of us need to do uh, is we need to repent of our understanding of who God is and allow how he's revealed himself to be in scripture to be who he is in our lives. And so sometimes you just need to pray, God, I'm seeing you the way I've experienced the father in this life. God, I'm seeing you the way I've experienced transactional relationships in this life. And sometimes when we falter and when we fail in our Christian journey, we feel as though God can't look at me the same way. Now watch this. I remember uh, remember when I was... Um, I was pastoring. I'd been pastoring for a few years, and I had gone to this, uh, this retreat center, and, um, and I just was struggling. I, I felt like I wasn't keeping my end of the bargain, and God was, God was very unpleased with me. Um, and, uh, and so I, I had done, I had figured out how to preach messages. I had figured out, uh, the, the, the right thing to talk about when it comes to coming alongside other people. And, uh, and I had, had figured out how to extend and share grace with others. I just didn't believe it for myself. And so here I am, I, I'm failing, I'm faltering in Christianity uh, and, and, uh, and I'm at this retreat center and I feel shame because I'm a pastor, right? Like I, I ought to be uh, feeling like I want to share my faith with people. I, I ought to be doing all the right things that I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, and I probably would never say this out loud, but I felt it in my heart. And so I, I'll never forget This lady calls, uh, who's leading the, the retreat. She she calls for silence and solitude, and says, "I just want you, I just want you to go to your cabin, and I want you to just sit and listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit for an hour. Don't do anything. Don't do don't do anything. Just sit and listen for the voice of the Holy Spirit. And so." This, you have to, if, if you know me, I, I like to spend time with people. I oftentimes think God communicates to me in, in community with other people. Uh, and, and so the idea of silence and solitude was just, it sounded like a bad idea. Um, and oftentimes I, I'm initially, I'm like hesitant to the idea of silence and solitude. And, and so I, I, I go to my, my cabin. Uh, I even remember Derek, I remember one time CJ, my, uh, the guy who discipled us had a, a house full of kids and I remember one day he said to me when I was like 19 or 20 he said man why don't you he's like man I got too much going on right now why don't you go down to the park and just sit sit at a tree and like just be with God and I remember thinking to myself that sounds terrible that sounds like the worst idea ever and so here I am you know 10 12 years later uh, and I'm sitting listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit Um, And I I feel this sense of, God, I've let you down. God, I've let you down, man. I've let you down. And as I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, I'm sitting there, all I keep hearing is, Steve, I cherish you. Steve, you're my beloved child. And it's like washing over me. It it, is like overwhelmingly, it is like over and over and over and over again. And I I, I think to myself, like, "That, that can't be... That can't be right. Like, that, might, that must be what I want to hear. Uh, and, and, and because so, so often we, we misappropriate the voice of shame with the voice of, of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And, and I'm like, that, that, doesn't, that doesn't seem right. And, and yet I, I went back to uh, John chapter 15 and I looked at what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. And uh, Jesus said, I'm going to send the comforter and the comforter is going to bear witness to me. After, he says, abide in me and I in you and you will bear much fruit. And all of this language of abiding in the vine, abide in the vine, abide in the vine, uh, intimacy is, essentially is, is the expression uh, that's over and over and over and over again. Uh, and then I realized that if, if the work of the Holy Spirit is to continually and perpetually apply the person and work of Jesus Christ to my life, and all of that is by grace through faith, That means that that is what the Father says over me, in Christ, continually and perpetually by grace. And yet so often we see this transactional approach with God. We see this Joseph Jackson approach with God And yet the way that God has revealed himself in scripture is the voice of an intimate father, who's not relationally disconnected, who's not emotionally disconnected, who's very present. So much so that we're able to sing the song, I am a friend of God. I am a friend of God. But where do we begin? Where do we begin? I'm, I'm about out of time, Pastor Derek, I know I gotta. I remember the first time I, my wife and I were, were talking and we went, on a, we went on a coffee date. We went on a coffee date and it was a good day, two hours coffee date, so you know, that's how you know it was a good date, right? You, you, you're already kind of like, I think there's gonna be a follow-up to this because it was two hours. Just so you know, if y'all, y'all go Coffee Meets Bagel and it's a two hours, it's probably good. I know Troy and Lynette know the, know the truth of that story. Uh, and, 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 and so uh, at, at first, when we first started the conversation, it was, it was kind of just getting to know you. You know, what's your story? What, what are you about? And then over the course of time, she, she was actually living in Haiti at the time, so she went back to Haiti, and, and I would call, um, and, and she would pick up, so I'd be like, that's, that's, that's got to be a pretty good sign, I think. <laughs> Uh, she would pick up while she's in a, in a, in a different country. Um, and, and then we would just talk, start to talk about her day. Uh, and she would ask me questions about my life and, and my day. And, uh, and then over, over the course of, t- of time, uh, we would share uh, surface-level things, just the details of our lives together. Um, and then we would share deep, heart-level uh, details of our lives with one another and then that then cultivated and and, and built into now she's my girlfriend cool she's my girlfriend now we we go out and we hang out and we talk every single day Um, and then that developed into uh, an engagement and then it developed into a marriage and now we got a little man and and we're a whole little crew together right Um, and 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 the thing that I want you to see is uh, is that it is in the regular process, in the regular routine of communication, not always the deep heart-level details, but when Paul says, pray without ceasing, he says, talk to me about everything. Talk to me about every detail of your life. Talk to me about every facet of what's going on in your life. And some of y'all might be saying, Steve, well, I'm single. I I don't have that experience. And and, and yet, here's here's the beauty of the gospel storyline is that even the marriage that I just articulated to you is a metaphor. So we have to make sure that we don't fall in love with the metaphor than what the metaphor is actually pointing to. And that means that whether you're married or single, you have the opportunity to experience what that metaphor of marriage points to, and that's intimacy with the Father. Where the Father calls you beloved, where the Father wants to know every detail of your life, where the Father says, keep talking to me. Cast your cares upon me for I care for you. You have not because you ask not. You, you, you got to come to the door and, and knock. You, uh, you Tell me what's going on w- with your life. I, I can handle the disappointments. I can handle the ups and the downs. I, I want to experience intimacy with you and and, uh, and, and oftentimes we look for the voice of God uh, as, as, as in, in, in all these different ways, that the big things of life in the, in, in the and I, I love this passage in 1 Kings 19 where uh, the, there, there's, Elijah is, is waiting on God and, uh, and there's a powerful wind that, that comes and, and rocks crash uh, and, and it says that God was not in the wind. And then there's, there's an earthquake that comes and, uh, and the ground is shaking, but God was not in the earthquake. And then it says, but in a small whisper, he heard the voice of God. And one of the things that prayer and fasting, as we commit to that as a church, is that that is a focus of, our, our, of who we are and what we're doing. There's a part of that where we're so busy with all the details of life that we don't have time to sit and listen to the whisper. And what God is calling us to through fasting and prayer is this reorienting of our lives to be present to him and present to others and listen to his voice and experience this intimacy because this this is the trajectory of Scripture. Essentially, what, what Scripture calls us to is like we're talking to God on the phone. We're talking to him, we're talking to him, we're talking to him. And then in the new heavens and the new earth, First John says, and then we will see him as he is. And then we experience him face to face. That's what Christianity is. It's about intimacy with the Father through the Son. And, and I, I got to wrap up here, but I, I know that for, for some of us, uh, we, we've been praying for things. We've been, we've been praying for, for healing or, or we've been praying for God to, to say Yes to certain things. Some people have been in in the hospital for COVID, and and I I just I remember very specifically when my mom uh, was sick. We were praying and praying, and I was calling for everybody to pray. Um, And and then uh, the day before she passed away, she said, "Steve, I'm talking to Jesus, and He's not hearing me." Um, And I was just at I was just at a friend of ours uh, brother's funeral uh, yesterday. He's 32 years old, died of COVID. Um, and had all these people praying, uh, praying for him, praying, 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 praying. Um, and, and it seemed like there, there was just, there was silence on the other side of, of that prayer. And, and yet, one of the things that I feel like God has illuminated to my heart over the course of time um, is that maybe... I was, I, was, I was watching a Facebook Live of a woman, the very first church that I, Living Word Baptist Church, East 21st Street uh, uh, on, in Indianapolis, Indiana. Uh, first church I preached at, uh, I, there was a woman there who, uh, who came to the church when she, she first started walking with Jesus, and, uh, and she did a Facebook Live and said, I'm, I'm in the ICU, but I still, there's a, still a praise in my heart, and I know that God is going to heal me. She passed away. And yet here's the storyline of what happens for those of us who are in Christ. Maybe when we're praying and we're praying and we're praying and we're asking God for healing, asking God for healing, and then he doesn't do it the way that we want him to do it. Maybe actually the answer is just a, a resounding yes and right now. And maybe in my mother saying I'm talking to Jesus and he's not hearing me, it was, actually, Pam, I, I say yes, come home right now. To my friend's brother, actually, I say yes, right now. To that woman who said, I know that God's a healer, that's the beautiful thing. And, and some of us look like, what. Like, what what do we do with our suffering and and, and all the stuff that happens in life and our disappointments when it comes to those things, and and you look at at scripture and Jesus goes to Lazarus's tomb and uh, and his sisters are there and 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 the shortest verse in the Bible says that Jesus weeps, that Jesus wept, right, and one of the things that I think we have to understand is that not Jesus isn't crying, uh, just just because this is my friend I'm crying, but but you have to imagine that that Jesus is so filled with compassion and anger over the reality of what death has done to this family, to his friend, all of the things that it's going to affect in everybody else's life because this person died. And here's what Jesus did. He wept, and then the Bible says he went to Jerusalem. He wept and he said, I'm going to go do something about this. He wept and he said, I'm going to the cross so that in Christ Jesus... There will be no more tears and no more shame and, and, and you'll receive a glorified body and, uh, and then you'll see me face to face and then the full experience of, of that intimacy will be known to you and, and that regardless of, of what happens in your life and regardless of what society throws at you, regardless of your circumstances, I'm still not, I'm not calling it good, but I'm still so big I can work it together for good and I promise that I'm doing away. With the tears. Sometimes the disappointment of God not healing is that He actually just says yes and now. And so that's what God is calling us to. And and the beauty of the gospel storyline is that because Jesus uh, forewent heaven and came to earth, lived the life that we couldn't live, and died in our place and for our sins, He now empowers and enables you and me to forego good things for the sake of the ultimate. It's because of what Jesus did that now God says to you and me, rush to the throne of grace with boldness. Come, tell me all about your life. You were made for me, and I'm here for you. As a community of faith, let's together forego things that are good, for the sake of the ultimate. And we wait with tiptoe anticipation and bated breath till we see the fulfillment of that conversation realized when we see him face to face. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I- I'm reminded as Jesus was tempted and while he was fasting in Matthew chapter 4 promised so many things from satan and yet he said man does not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of god he denied himself for something greater he denied himself god for your glory and for our good And so I I pray that we would not approach you, God, as Joseph Jackson. I I pray that we would quickly repent of. Uh, all of those uh, approaches that are not the way that you've revealed yourself. I pray, God, that we would repent of thinking that the voice of shame is the voice uh, of the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I I pray, God, uh, that we would uh, not put off the uh, grace of God as the thing that gets us started in Christianity, but I pray that we would allow it to permeate our souls. And so that means maybe tomorrow... Before I pick up my phone, before I I look at the news, before I read the newspaper, before I I check my email, I've got to spend time and get back in that conversation. I've got to spend time rightly approaching you, God, as the ultimate thing. I'm forgoing good things for the sake of the ultimate. Father, would you show us what to pray, how to pray? God, would you show us how to, how to say that's, that's not the way that God has revealed himself. God, help me not see you in a wrong way. Help me not see you the way that other people uh, espouse you or the way that other people articulate you, but help me to see you the way that you've revealed yourself to be. God, help us to commit In the midst of a tumultuous season of life, to hearing from heaven, to continue the conversation of a good father who says, come tell me all about yourself. Come tell me about your day. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.